0: Thank you for listening to this audio from Trinity Presbyterian Church in Spartanburg, South Carolina. For more information about Trinity, visit our website, trinityspartanburg.com. Please stand for the reading of God's word. When you pray... You are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, you have they have their, their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This is the word of the living God. Thanks be to God. God. You may sit down. So this morning, I want us to consider the topic of prayer. You just heard our Lord's words about it. The first thing you should notice is that he doesn't say if you pray. He says when you pray. Christ assumes his people pray. Throughout the entire Bible, you will find prayers of God's people. Not only do we have an entire prayer book the 150 Psalms, but there are prayers recorded all over the entire Bible. Scripture is full of prayer. God expects His people to pray. It's just a natural part of being a Christian. Without prayer, you can't even begin the Christian life. J.C. Ryle in his little booklet, A Call to Prayer, he puts it bluntly. Prayer is absolutely needful to a man's salvation. It's absolutely needful to be saved. Now, immediately, us Protestants are squirming, we're thinking, now, salvation's by faith alone, not faith plus prayer. And Ryle anticipates this objection. He replies that a man can have salvation without asking for it, I cannot see in the Bible. How can you receive the gift of salvation without even asking for it? You can't. In your own life, when you first came to the end of yourself, and to the mercy of God, what did you do? Did you ignore him? Did you never go to him, repenting, confessing your sins? Did you never thank him? Every repentant sinner must pray to God, to even begin experiencing the Christian life. So listen, none of us can pray enough, okay? You're not saved by how often you pray or how fervently you pray. That's not what Ryle said, it's not what I'm saying, it's certainly not what God says, but prayer is part of your salvation. God didn't save you to just leave you where you were in life. He didn't save you just to wait for you to die, so that when you get to heaven, then you can start experiencing, and knowing your God. Your life this side of eternity matters. The way you spend your time now matters. What your heart desires now matters. What your heart Oh, how often you speak to God really does matter. How you speak to Him matters. Prayer matters. Did you know what subject John Calvin wrote about the most in his institutes? Do you know what chapter is the longest? It's not on predestination, it's on prayer. Isn't that neat? So next time someone asks, are you a Calvinist? Hopefully you can say, oh yeah, I love to pray. And shouldn't we love to pray? Remember who it is you're praying to. For thus says the high and exalted one. Who lives forever, whose name is holy. I dwell on a high and holy place. And also with the contrite and lowly of spirit in order to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. See, Christian, you have a wonderful privilege to commune with your God, with your creator. This God who dwells in a high and holy place that you couldn't even dream of is your father who meets with you in a closet. Okay, so... We know we need to pray. I've just guilted us all into it, right? I'm not going to stop, stop there. We still have some time. How are we to pray? How do you pray? Do you know how to pray? Well, if you know how to pray, it's good to see how not to pray. And isn't that what our Lord does? Isn't that what he says? When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Prayer is not something for others to see and congratulate you on. Prayer is what you give to God. It is what he hears and rewards. If you pray like a hypocrite, you are actually praying to men in the name of God. You're breaking the third commandment. You're taking his name in vain. You want men to reward you for your eloquence, for your piety, for your high-mindedness and deep spirituality. And you will get your reward. If you want a man's reward, you will get a man's reward. Is that what you really want? Whose praise do you want? Men's or God's? Now you may be thinking, If we are to pray so that others may hear, if we're not to pray so that others may hear, why do we pray publicly in church? Why do we sing songs out loud that others may hear? Why do we meet together on prayer meetings on Wednesday night to pray out loud? Well, when Jesus says this, he is not saying we can never pray publicly. Our Lord himself prayed publicly John 11, when he, right before he raises Lazarus from the dead, they removed the stone, then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it so that they may believe that you sent me. Why does he pray publicly? Why does he pray out loud? If So others would believe. And so right here we see Prayer out loud is for the benefit, for the edification of those who hear it. Jesus' point is that if you're going to pray out loud, it needs to have the right motive. It should build up those who are going to hear it. Every Lord's Day, we have an elder pray right here for the the prayer of confession. We have the prayer of illumination. We have the pastoral prayer. After I finish preaching, Pastor Dion will come and give the pastoral prayer. He is praying, these men are praying as representatives on this body for you, on your behalf. He's praying that you would be edified. And the same goes um, for songs. When we sing out loud, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness to your hearts to God. It's to admonish one another. It's to help exhort one another. It's to encourage one another. When we worship out loud, we're worshiping a God who hears us. We're worshiping with our hearts. That's what we're supposed to do, at least. We're edifying each other. And what does Paul say in 1 Corinthians 14? He makes this exact point. I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the mind also. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the mind also. Otherwise, if you bless in the spirit only, how will the one who fills the place of the ungifted say amen at your giving of thanks? Since he does not know what you are saying, for you are giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not edified. This is why we meet on prayer meetings on Wednesday nights. We pray out loud for one another with the requests that are given. If you come to a prayer meeting and you do not pray out loud, you're actually not edifying your brothers and sisters in the Lord Edify one another. Build each other up. And what else does our Lord say? Second, he says, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. What is meaningless repetition? What's he mean by this? Does this mean we can never ask God for the same thing twice? Does this mean we cannot pray for the same things each? each day of course not why else would jesus say pray this way give us this day our daily bread you don't just pray that once you're supposed to pray it every day so our lord's point is not that we can only request something once in our lifetime it's not even that we can't request it more than once in a single day remember elijah After the prophets of Baal were defeated, when he prayed for fire to come down, he goes up, and he gets on his knees, and he prays that God would send rain. But he sends a servant to go look for a cloud. And he does that seven times. He's praying. The servant comes back. He says, keep going. Go. Look again. He keeps praying seven times until finally that little cloud, like the size of a man's hand, appears and remember Paul three times he prayed that his thorn in the flesh would be taken away okay so praying is not limited to single one-time requests that's not what Jesus means by this and does it mean that we can never repeat the same thing use the same words in one prayer no of course not If it were, then, where am I at? I'm sorry. If it were so, then many prayers and Psalms would be sinful. Elijah's prayer for the fire to come down on the altar, listen to what he said Answer me, O Lord. Answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God. What about the Psalms? Psalm 103 Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. Okay, What about the seraphim? Those angels that stand in the throne of God. What do they say? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It's the Lord of hosts. So we see that there are faithful repetitions that are actually good, and you can do them, and you should. Because those aren't meaningless. Those are not vain. Our Lord's point is that God is listening. When you pray, you should have confidence that He hears you. The Gentiles pray thinking that they will be heard for their many words, but not so with God. God hears every word. He's not distracted. He hears and remembers every single word and every tear. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? So don't pray carelessly. So often we mumble through our prayers, not even thinking about what we're saying. Thank you for this food that we're about to receive. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Help me do a good job. Okay. Amen. Okay. Now, on to important things. We had phrases. We let them run off. One time, this is bad. One time, when I was working in an office, I had to leave a voicemail for somebody. And just to show you how bad my prayer life was, I ended the voicemail like this. I said, yeah, and you can also give me a call back. And in Jesus' name, I pray. And I hung up. <laughs> I was like, oh man, ended a voicemail with a "In Jesus' name, I pray." It's like, uh, come on, we all do that. We've all—I mean, not on the voicemail, hopefully not—but we all get in the, you know, the run-of-the-mill. Just say it. I'm hungry. Don't pray in vain. Pray in faith. Pray using your mind. Prayer is not just an emotional outpouring. It's actually an exercise of the mind. We meditate on God's word, we fill our mind with truth. That's what you should be. You should meditate on God's word. You're filling your mind with truth with scripture. And after you do that, you should pray those things back. You should pray with knowledge. This is because prayer is an exercise of the heart and the mind. They're working together. There should be a connection. Word, mind, heart back out. And we also see that. Remember 1 Corinthians 14 what I've just read. Therefore let no one speak in a tongue and pray that uh, therefore who those who speak in a tongue pray that he may interpret If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. You have to pray with the spirit, but pray with the mind. Because prayer is rooted in knowledge. Knowledge of God's word. It's not just wishful thinking. It's not just something disconnected from truth. It's not just our emotions. When when you read the Psalms or the prayers of the saints of old, Do you get the sense that these were just random thoughts being lifted up to a higher power in the sky? They're just meaningless. They're just unbased and hopeless. Are these only emotional outbursts? Are they not rooted in his promises? Remember when Jacob fled from Laban? He was leaving Laban, but then he came upon the land of Esau. He's leaving one bad situation and now he's coming on something. He's like, oh man, what have I done? Esau, my brother who I cheated, he's going to kill me and all the people, all my children, my families. Listen to his prayer that he prays when he finds out he's coming upon Esau. Jacob said, oh God, my father, Abraham. (laughs) I need to just take a step back for a second. I'm mumbling. I'm getting all these. I can't even say how I'm messing up. Let me just take a breath here. Okay, let let me say this right. Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, return to your country and to your relatives and I will prosper you. I am unworthy of all the loving kindness and of all the faithfulness which you have shown to your servant. For with my staff only, I crossed this Jordan. And now I have become two companies, two camps. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, that he will come and attack me and the mothers with the children. For you said, I will surely prosper you, and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which is Too great to be numbered. What a prayer. Simple, elegant, and rooted in what God promised him. This is why the more you understand scripture, the more you know God, the more you know Christ, the better your prayers will be. So now that we've seen what prayer is not, let us consider what Prayer is. Prayer is covenantal. Okay, What do I mean by that? Prayer is covenantal. God deals with us covenantally. He comes to us in his promises and his oaths. Based on his character of who he is. What he says he will do. And he will do it. This is precisely why we are to pray looking at the promises of God. We're to pray seeking out in reality what we know to be true. Grab a hold of the promise and make it your own. Put it into your heart. Feed on it. When we approach God based on his promises, we are actually coming into... um, like I can't read today. I'm sorry. When we pray, the covenantal aspect of our prayers helps us to understand the providence of God. Okay. When we understand God covenantally, we can understand how his providence works in this world that he has made. When we approach God, we're to approach him as Abraham did. Remember when he is praying for the souls of Lot at Sodom. For far be it from you, O Lord, to do such a thing, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous and the wicked are treated alike. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of the earth do right? He knows who his God is. So prayer is covenantal. Prayer is also done in faith. Prayer requires faith. You can't be a faithless prayer person, person of prayer. It is much harder to walk by faith than by sight. It's unhuman. It's not natural. We want our answers. Now. I don't want to walk by faith. Just do it. Come on. You know, we treat God like Santa Claus. Trust him. Trust in his goodness. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? Trust that he will. Have faith. Prayer is also done in humility. When you pray, remember who it is that you pray to. Who this God is. Isaiah 66, thus says the Lord. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where then is a house you could build for me? And where is a place that I may rest? For my hand made all these things. Thus all these things came into being. Because I made them. I'm God. But what does he say next? But to this one I will look. To him who is humble. And contrite of spirit. And who trembles at my word. That's who God listens to. Are you humble, contrite of spirit? Do you tremble at his word? The God you're praying to is the almighty creator of heaven and earth. Isn't it amazing that he beckons his ear to little weak, frail human beings like us? Sinful people made of clay. And prayer is given with thanksgiving. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. That was part of the text from last week for Pastor Dion's sermon in Colossians. Continue steadfastly being watchful with thanksgiving. Give thanks to God every time you pray. Thank Him for all He's done. Do you find it hard to thank Him? Do you find it hard? Find things to thank him for? Thank him with your heart. Thank him that your heart's beating. Can you thank him that you're not in hell? When you start thinking about things to be thankful for, there is a long list. And you should think about it and pray it and really mean it. Thank him. Hear what George Herbert wrote. You've given so much to me. Give one thing more, a grateful heart. And prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God. In the prayer meetings, we've started going through the Westminster Larger Catechism. Where on the first question, I mean, not the whole catechism, but the part on prayer The first question is, what is prayer? Says The first thing it says, prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God. When we pray, we are actually to give requests to God, and they're to be real requests. They're not hypothetical. There's not an asterisk with it. It's a real pouring out of your heart to God. The Lord is near to all who call upon him. To all who call upon him in truth, he will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. We will also, he will also hear their cry and will save them. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. That's what it says. This ought to give you great confidence when you pray. He hears you. He answers you. Does this mean we can ask for anything and it will be given to us? Can I ask God to win the lottery and then he's going to give it to me? Well, no. Doesn't mean that. God's not a genie in a bottle. The godly have godly desires. It is those who call upon him in truth... Those who fear him, who will have their desires fulfilled. We must pray in accordance with the will of God. 1 John 5, he says, this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked him. Okay? That's what he says. Now I know what you're thinking. Then how come my desires are not fulfilled? Where's the husband or wife I've been praying for all my life? Why am I in the same job? Or why did my child die? Why are my children still unrepentant and lost? This is a serious question. It's not a light question, an easy question. Maybe you start to feel like the psalmist. But I, O Lord, have cried out to you for help. And in the morning, my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you reject my soul? Why do you hide your face from me? I was afflicted and about to die from my youth on. I suffer your terrors. I am overcome. Your burning anger has passed over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. They have surrounded me like water all day long. They have encompassed me altogether. You have removed lover and friend far from me. My acquaintances are in darkness. That's how the psalm ends. That's Psalm 88 we read last week. That's the prayer of someone who feels their desires are not fulfilled. Do you feel rejected by God? Do you feel he's not listening to you? That he is far off? I don't know why it is that God seems to grant the desires of some of us. And others, he seems that he never grants that request. Ever. But he is God, and we are not. And yet we are to give him our request. We are to pour out our heart before him. This problem of unheard prayers, they actually are heard should take comfort your prayers are heard there's a long quote I want to read from Calvin and I'm not going to for sake of time but it is really really good it's from that chapter on prayer it's the last thing he says and I'm telling you You should go home and read it. It's the last chapter. It's book three, chapter 20, section 52. Okay? If you want to write it down, you can. His main point is that you're not to pray in vain, it's not in vain. Persevere in prayer. God hears. Okay? It might not feel like it, but he hears and he knows. If you um, have been distant from God, though, if you're not seeking him, don't blame him that your prayers feel unanswered. You see, the truth is we are far more ready to to um, he is far more ready to hear than we are to pray. We're so cold. Okay. Why don't we pray? Prayer is hard. It actually is hard. Truly, our Lord meant these words, keep watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You don't want to pray, I don't want to pray, we don't want to pray. Your flesh doesn't want to pray. We are distracted by the world, and the devil wants nothing more for us than to think, I don't need to pray. Okay? But still pray. In JC Ryle's booklet that I mentioned earlier, he says this over and over. He just asks, Do you pray? Do you pray? This is very important. Prayer is so important because prayer is spiritual warfare. Remember, not only is your flesh weak, but you have principalities and powers who want nothing more for you than to avoid God and to trust in yourself. This may be one of the most important things you could hear. Because We just don't live with eyes that see things spiritually. We just have our minds down here in the physical and we just don't wanna think, oh yeah, Satan's real, principalities and powers are real, and they hate me. This was one of the main things, the main takeaways I took from studying Ephesians. It was so helpful. I mean, it's all over the book of Ephesians. That's like the point. In a lot of ways, it's really helpful. You're in a spiritual battle. Prayer is in the context of spiritual battle. When you read uh, Ephesians 6, the armor of God, the very last thing, and pray, be praying. Now, practically speaking, why should you pray? Hopefully, up to now, we've probably felt like, yeah, I should pray. And I, I, I know why, but why? Why should I pray? Here are a few reasons. Prayer changes things. Prayer actually changes things. This is one of the greatest mysteries of prayer, is that it's actually engaged in God's providence. God ordains the end as well as the means. He ordains what is going to happen, but he ordains that we're to pray for those things to happen. Prayer is important. John Frame puts this really well in three short statements. Okay, God ordains, number one, God ordains prayer as a means to change history. There are things that happen because of prayer and things that do not happen because of no prayer. It's the first statement. Two, now of course, prayer doesn't change the eternal plan of God, but within the eternal plan are many plans for means and ends. There's a place for prayer in the eternal plan of God. And three, God ordains that crops will grow, but not without watering them. He ordains that people will be saved, but ordinarily not without the teaching of the word. And he ordains that we will have everything we truly need, but not without prayer. You need to pray. It's very neat that we are taking part of this in the providential plan of God. He ordains the end as well as the means. And remember this. This was my mom's probably most quoted passage of scripture. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That's the King James Version. The prayers of the righteous do things. That's what that means. I don't have time to tell you a story. Maybe if I tell it quickly. What page am I on? I don't have time, there's not enough time ask me about this sometime, I'll tell you the story of how my mom prayed and it was answered and I have proof I have visual evidence okay why else should you pray your brothers and sisters need your prayers you're not alone in the Christian life no man's an island, especially if you're a Christian <laughs> And you, probably, you shouldn't want to be either Pray for your brothers and sisters. Pray that they will grow spiritually. That requires you to know your brothers and sisters, to be a part of their life, to know what's going on, and to actually pray for them. God, you have to care about God's people. Second, uh, Third reason you should pray, the kingdom of God is advanced by your prayers, What did our Lord tell us to pray for? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay? This is fundamental to our understanding of world history. It's cosmic. We are commanded to pray that God's will will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. As above, so below. Just as it is up there. So, should it be here? The pagans understand this, okay? Whatever the gods, the demons do in the sky, that's what we want to do here, too, okay? The Lord's prayer is in direct opposition to Satan and his kingdom. Pray that the kingdom of God would actually advance against the kingdom of darkness. It will advance, but you should want to pray that it does. How how do you pray for that? Well, you should pray for your pastor and elders. That's a reason to pray. They need your prayers. Your pastor needs your prayers. Your elders need your prayers. They have an X marked out on their back by Satan because of their position, because of what their duty is. Pray that God would sustain them. Pray that they would resist temptation. Pray that God would protect them. Pray that God would use you to minister to them and use them to minister to you. We know that God uses them to minister to you. Can you pray that you could minister to them too? Pray that, they would be, that you would be humble and you would listen to them. Don't take their rebukes and exhortations lightly or in a stubborn heart. They care for your souls. They have to give an account for your souls. Make their duty easier and pray for them. The authorities need your prayer. There's something to pray for. The authorities God ordains on this earth, we're commanded to pray for them. 1 Timothy 2, first of all, I, then I urge entreaties, prayers, petitions, and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men for kings and all who are in authority so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This goes hand in hand for praying for the kingdom to advance. Would you do it? Would you pray for your tax collector? Would you pray for Joe Biden? Would you pray for AOC? Pray for Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And mean it. Another reason to pray, you need to pray for your own spiritual growth. Pray that you would not enter into temptation Pray that God would open your eyes, that you may behold wonderful things from God's law. Pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Can you ever really stop praying for yourself? Can you never stop growing? Pray for yourself spend time in prayer so finally in closing we let's look at three spheres three spheres of prayer if you're a good Presbyterian or reformed person you should be Kuyperian. you should follow Abraham Kuiper sphere sovereignty okay I like Kuiper a lot three spheres of prayer First, you've got the corporate sphere. The corporate sphere. These are all $10 words. Okay, church, right? The church sphere. Prayer is to be in church. It's to be corporate. This is why we come worship together. This is why we sing out loud together. This is why our shepherd and elders lead us in prayer. This is why we have prayer meetings on Wednesday nights don't despise these things it's easy to come on Sunday we're we're tired we shouldn't be tired but we are it's easy to just be passive in prayer be passive in worship to just not think about the words we're saying and singing don't please don't do that make great use of them This is for your benefit. It is so good. You know, there's nothing that Satan wants more for you than that you should show up here every Sunday and leave unchanged. Be active here. Make use. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Be glad. Let's be happy when we come to church. And then you have the second sphere, the family sphere. You should pray as families. There should be family prayers. A time where the family prays. Fathers, lead your families in prayer. Lead them. Be bold enough to lead your family in prayer. Teach your children how to pray. That's how they learn. They learn by watching you. That's how they learn. Imitation. You know, both Calvin and Luther, they wrote m- out morning and evening prayers. They also wrote table prayers, prayers at the, at when you're having a meal, before and after. Um, I don't have time to read them, but I would love to print these off, hand them out prayer meetings sometime. They're really cool. Be creative when you have family prayer, when you pray at a meal. Be creative about it. Maybe read a prayer every now and then. Maybe, maybe, maybe once a week you do read Calvin or Luther's prayer. But don't just read it, pray it. It could be helpful. I mean, if you're like me, prayer can become so mundane when you're about to pray for a meal. Think about what you're praying for. God is providing you food, and he gave you a tongue to taste thousands of tastes. That is cool. Would you thank him that you can taste broccoli? And also ice cream. And widows, you know, are you a widow? Listen to what God descri- how God describes the life of a widow. Now she who is a widow, indeed, and who has been left alone, has fixed her hope on God and continues in entreaties night and day. She who gives herself to want and pleasure is dead even while she lives. Isn't that interesting? The Apostle Paul says, widows, give yourselves to prayer night and day use that time and finally the third sphere private sphere private prayer you should pray privately find time to pray make time it's hard but necessity is the mother of all invention right do you think that you cannot find time to pray look at the life of our lord Look at him. Look at what he did. Right after he fed the 5,000, after a long day, I'm sure it was long. What does he do? After he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. He went and prayed. Are we greater than our master? Make time to pray. And it's not without a reward. Your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Do you know what one of those rewards is? The peace of God. Paul says at the end of Philippians, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything... With prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Do you want that peace of God? Pray. With that. We're going to pray. Pastor Dion, now come up and lead us in prayer. Sure. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, that we get to pray to you. Please help us to pray. Our flesh is weak. Please move us to pray and to pray fervently, knowing that you hear us. It's in your blessed name we pray. Amen.